entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf and today with our guest host, Jay Kelly Hoey. Along with Kelly and our executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guys on this learning journey. To learn more about Kelly, check out her website at jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. Okay, Kelly, let's get the conversation going. Thanks, Marty. This is Kelly, guest host of the Business Builder Show, and I am thrilled today. This is like, Marty, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is our first international show. This, um, is, and our- this is huge, Kelly. This is huge. <laughs> we have... Creative consultant, coach, and storyteller Ian Saunders here from uh, outside of London. Yeah, Welcome, wait. Ian. Thank you very much. Great to uh, great to be here, waving across the Atlantic right now. Across the pond. All right, I'm going to read Ian's bio. He is on a mission to shake up the world through his workshops, presentations, storytelling, and one-to-one session. Ian brings a fresh and passionate approach to spark change and inspire organizations, teams, and individuals. And we're going to talk about how he does that. Um, He has run sessions for organizations, including the BBC, Microsoft, Thomas Cook Money, which is a case study I particularly want to dive into today. Ian, he's the author of four books. Uh, He's written about how to work smarter for the financial times, and that is how we met back at that uh, FT Innovate conference uh, in London. As you sat there in the lobby of that hotel with your, you know, dictaphone in my face (laughs) as we (laughs) talked about women in tech. So, again, Ian, welcome to the show Uh, for, you know, giving this little bit of an intro, um, but Talk to people about your journey to where you are today, starting with the decision to quit your job back in 1999. Yeah, good question, Kelly. You know, I think it's always interesting reflecting on our journeys to where we are now. Always fascinates me. You know, so I started my career in a in a quite a conventional way, I suppose, working for nine years in a in a media organization. Uh, I was running a part of it that I guess these days we'd call a startup. So I had quite a entrepreneurial start to my career in a traditional way, building a business that was part of a media group that was about to float on uh, on AIM, which is a London stock market as a, as, a, as a publicly quoted company. So it was, a, it was an incredible journey for me, Kelly uh, and Marty, at, 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 you know, at an early age. So by the age of you know, 29, I was managing director of this broadcasting company, uh, and it was all going so well. But you know what's coming next? That's the thing about a story is that, um, is that uh, you know, I, I, on the surface, it was going so well. I'd learned a lot as a, as a rookie management um, manager director. You know, I'd, I'd never gone to business school. Uh, I'm very grateful to our very good friend, Tom Peters, and his wonderful books for kind of fueling me through that decade of uh, learning as I went. But you know what? I found myself in 1999 um, having on the surf- surface all this success, but underneath, the cracks were starting to show. And I don't think I realized it quite at the time, but, you know, looking back, it's very clear to see that I hit burnout. I had a crash. You know, I was, I was working too hard. I was out of my depth. I had too much on my plate. 
And that was the catalyst for going independent in 1999-2000. And, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I know you have quite a few people on this show who talk about, you know, launching their side project, making their business idea happen and, and, and having a choosing to do that. I guess for me, my real honest story is that I'd reached a point in my, in my career uh, at an early age where I thought, I can't do this anymore. And, and that is why I quitted. Wow. Well, well, well. And you, you, you chucked it. Um, I want you to reflect for a moment, 15 years of freelancing. What are some, I want to say, insights you have to share from other people who may not have hit that. Maybe, maybe they're seeing the cracks um, or maybe they're, you know, anticipating um, a layoff or something else, but 15 years of freelancing, um, you know, some insights you can share, including something I've heard you say before, getting comfortable with shifting positions. Yeah, you bet. You've got to be comfortable with that. I mean, it's funny, you know, say 15 years, it's nearly, wow, I mean, it's nearly 20 years of being independent, actually. And, you know, I've learned so much on that journey. But you know what's funny that I was reflecting on just a couple of days ago is that, you know, I started my career in a traditionally entrepreneurial way, growing a business. Uh, okay, you know, I didn't own the business, uh, I had shares in it, growing a business, hiring staff, you know, developing opportunities. And I quit that. But actually, my life as an independent, I mean, I, I I don't know, I hate that freelance tag. I know we all use it, but, you know, I cut suddenly say, I'm an independent. My life as an independent um, has also been very entrepreneurial, but actually it's about being very agile and, you know, building a business of one. And, and, and I know that's not entrepreneurial with a big E, you know, but perhaps with a small E. Uh, I've needed a real entrepreneurial spirit to survive and thrive in this kind of new world of work in this crazy world of work that we all navigate here in 2019. And that, that it's really interesting you zoomed in on that, Kelly, about the um, being comfortable shifting positions, because if I was to look at my path as an independent over the last 20 years, you know, I've done so many different things. I started a little marketing agency doing work with brands like Benetton and MTV. I did so many different things. I wrote some books. I wrote for the Financial Times. And it's been a journey of never really standing still. And that is what suits me personally. I know that's not for everyone. So I love to shake things up. I love to reinvent it. Um, And I guess inevitably, you know, what I've learned along the way are kind of, you know, you know, having having belief in yourself, um, being comfortable with uncertainty, because, you know, I mean, for most of us, including most of the people listening to this show, you know, we do live in a precarious world. You know, whatever we do, um, you know, stability and job security is not what it used to be a few decades ago. So I think a lot of us have got comfortable with uncertainty. And um, uh, I guess what are some of the key things for me are kind of experimenting, innovating, um, trying, trying my hand at new things and just constantly, constantly kind of staying agile, really. I love that you use the word independent instead of freelancer. That's so much more, I want to say, empowering mm. as opposed to like freelance. You, as soon as you said that, I was like, freelance has the connotation of employee, like at somebody else's beck and call, as opposed yeah. to a proactive decision to pursue an idea. I love that distinction. I think that's really interesting for you to reflect back on that. I mean, I think I, 
You know, I know some people, I mean, some of them have been my clients on the coaching sessions, you know, people that are freelance who might be a freelance web developer or a freelance copywriter, that feels a lot more kind of commoditized. They have five days a week to sell to a client. They might sometimes go into a big organization to do that. They might be sitting in a co-working space, sitting at home or whatever. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I've I've had a different spirit and a different um uh, yeah, d- d- different different motivation, I suppose, for what I do, which has been about building this portfolio of stuff that I do, and it's very hard to tag. I was always curious about, you know, how I get introduced and all those kind of things. So I know we all need a shorthand. We all need a shorthand for what we do, but perhaps a bit like you, Kelly, we are both multidimensional. That makes us more interesting, but it does make it like you can't just give a one-liner to describe, you know, what we respectively do. And for me... The joy is, and I wrote a book about this called Mashup, the joy is about being multidimensional. It's about doing more than one thing. Again, not for everyone, but for people like you and me, Kelly, we thrive on that, right? We thrive on the interrelationships between those different parts of what we do. We're not stuck in silos. We're kind of, uh, I kind of sort of say, you know, professionally promiscuous. We're over here, then we're over there. We've got our feet in different worlds. And for our clients, you know, when I go and work with big corporations, they love the lessons that I'm able to bring their teams from all this time in the trenches as an independent. I, I'm, that's how I'm going to introduce you now. The prof- professionally promiscuous Ian Sanders <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Is, our, is our guest today on the Business Builder Show. Ian, where, and you mentioned one of your four books. Uh, yeah. where, just to remind everyone, Ian Sanders is our guest. Ian, where is the best place for people to find you online? So it's iansanders.com is the website and, and on, on social media, I'm at Ian Sanders on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram and all the, all the rest of them. So yeah, iansanders.com is a good place to head to. Okay. So being an independent isn't always, you know, sunshine and roses and, you know, well-paying clients. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about the good times experiment that you, you launched. Yeah. You know, it's funny, isn't it? You know, we, we live in a world where often we tend to measure career success by very obvious metrics like status or you know what we're earning and you know for my from certainly for my my father's generation that's what success was it's like have you had a promotion yet what are you earning do you have share options do you have a company car and all those things uh you know that wasn't my father my father's not uh, materialistic like that but that was that world and it is that world for a lot of people and when I went independent, I'll be honest, I had years where my commercial, uh, you know, my earnings really fluctuated. I found that really hard after being, you know, a, a young, go-getting, well-paid, successful executive in his late 20s, suddenly to this world of fluctuating revenues in my first few years of being an independent. And then I started to think, well, hang on a minute, why, why are you just measuring your success as an independent? just by the fact, just by spreadsheet alone, right? Why am I just measuring it by an Excel sheet? What about all the wonderful experiences I have? You know, going to different going to different cities around the world, going to run a workshop here and there, meeting interesting people, having that freedom that I enjoy. You know, I live here by the coast, just 40, 40 miles from London at the edge of the Thames Estuary. And this morning I, I took my dog for a walk at 8.30 down on the beach, 90 seconds to my front door. And it's like, aren't those things important as well? 
So I developed this um, this framework, which I call the good times, which I call good times. And a lot of other people do similar things, you know, so I won't get too proprietorial about what I do. Some people call it a gratitude journal. But I just write a list every week and I head it good times. I start it on a Monday morning. I end it on a Sunday night and I just write down a list of all those experiences that really get me fired up where I feel most me. So like, you know, taking the dog for a walk, talking to Marty and Kelly on the Business Builders podcast, having a great coffee. And, you know, there's all those things we do in our work life that we might do pro bono. So those things matter as well. And it's given me all this data for kind of what makes me tick. And um, it's just another way of looking at success rather than what did you bill this month? What did you invoice? And like I said, when I was talking to someone about this on Twitter a couple of years ago, you know, I said, this is my life, not a business model. Right. You know, this this is my life. This is how I choose to measure the life I've created for myself, the work life, the business life I've created for myself. And of course, I'm not going to be naive. Of course, money matters. Of course it does. I have to have a a financially viable business at the end of the day. But when it comes to thinking about that S word, success, you know, it goes beyond the spreadsheet for me. It goes on to freedom, experiences, and that really matters. And tracking that, because I call it an experiment, because I started as an experiment five, six years ago, but I still do it every day now, is a really great habit for tuning in to what makes me tick. Excuse me. I love, love, love that. Um, I think an entrepreneur, uh, independent, who is questioning what they're doing should, you know, keep that good times list. And I think, you know, someone who's in a job, um, you may be someone who's thinking about an encore career and not knowing what, you know, what's next, you know, until you sort of an- analyze yourself and what makes you enthusiastic, what makes you tick, as you say, you know, and, and I want to ask you that, um, is, you know, keep, keep this list and then see what the patterns are afterwards. Um, so what makes you tick, Ian? What makes me tick? Well, be, being Ian, but let me unpack that. <laughs> Freedom, um, kind of being fiercely independent, um, getting people to look at the world of work differently, uh, being multidimensional. You know, I, you know, I, I do, I, I do a, quite a lot of work from the attic uh, workspace where I'm talking to you from now, but I, but I'm, I'm very nomadic. So I don't have a single desk or co-working space where I work from. I work from all over the place. So, you know, walking around, being curious, a mix of all those things together, which kind of make me, me is, 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 is really what makes me tick. And I guess, you know, reflecting on where we started this conversation about leaving my corporate job. Well, it wasn't that corporate, but leaving my proper job. I suppose even back then, Kelly, I knew what made me tick, but I guess there was some friction or like a disconnect between how I wanted to run my work life and how an organization or an employer wanted wanted, wanted me to work my work life. Now, I guess, you know, the world of work has changed. I could work in an organization in 2019 and be very agile and do walk and talks and work out of coffee shops and all those things. But back then, you know, it was quite different times. So, um, you know, tuning into what makes me tick as being a real uh, like a compass, a really great compass for me to navigate my kind of day to day work life, my day to day choices. That's aw- that's awesome. OK, I got a couple more questions. And Marty, you know, I know you're sitting there quietly and, you know, the proctor in the exam. You're going to figure out when you're going to dive in, I'm, my I'm, friend. I've got notes. Um, I'm ready to go and called upon. I got notes. Or, 
All right. Well, I'm going to jump in on this and then jump in before I ask my last question of Ian. Ian, why is storytelling important and what the heck does it have to do with, uh, you know, business and a nine to five job? Mm. Well, you know, I'm I'm passionate about how stories can be used to kind of humanize business and organizations in our work lives, because, you know, we're, we're all sociable animals, aren't we? We're human beings. We, we don't we don't sit around in offices, in coffee shops and bars, um, talking about, you know, mathematical data. We sit around and we share stories. That's what we're doing right now. And I think they can be a really humanizing force um, in our careers. You know, I mean, if we want to get hired, we want to get noticed, we want to get promoted, you know, it's not enough just to have an awesome resume or an awesome LinkedIn uh, career trajectory to uh, wave in front of an employer. You know, what What are your stories that are actually going to make people care about you and the journey you're on? And, and um, you know, I love working with organizations where I help them understand the power of story. Because when you talk to some business leaders and team leaders and C-suite people, they go, oh, yeah, storytelling. That's like for marketing communications and brand communications. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. But it actually has real potential inside an organization as a humanizing force. Um, and, uh, so I'm really passionate about, about the power of stories and what happens when we, when we all stand up and tell our personal story, a bit like I have on, on the podcast today. Wow. Can you share the, uh, the Thomas Cook money example? Yeah, that's a, I mean, there's, there was an example of something where I was asked to run an offsite, to run an away day for Thomas Cook money, which is the financial services division of the Thomas Cook Group, a 170-year-old uh, travel company. Um, and it was like their, their kind of fintech startup bit. And we had 60 people uh, in, a, in a country hotel about a, a, an hour out of London. And I spent the afternoon uh, in breakouts with, with uh, 15 people at a time, teaching them the framework for telling a story. And then what we did at the end of the day was we got all the 60 people, once I'd done four groups, we got all the 60 people together in an amazing setting. It was such a lovely room. It was a, it was like a Jacobean library in this kind of country house. And we got everyone standing up by the crackling fire, it was November, and telling the story of how they'd got to here. A bit like I did a few minutes ago on this podcast. And I got it was amazing the stories that tumbled out. People talking about uh, a guy talking about how he'd been really bullied at school and how horrific that had been for him, but how that had given him such a strong spirit as an adult of, you know, I will not be defeated. I will, I will really, um, you know, really have a persevering spirit. And then a woman talked about being mugged by a roadside when she'd gone to visit um, some of her distant family in, in, uh, in West Africa and all these stories came out and you know what i think they were stories that may have tumbled out over time in a works canteen or in a in a drinks or in a you know in a around the water cooler but perhaps not and what what we did together at that away day was we created an opportunity and a and a, um, a platform if you like where people could tell those stories in, in what we call kind of, you know, psychological safety. There was, they weren't being recorded, you know, they weren't being videoed. It was private. I was the only outsider there. But what happened was 
as a result of all those human stories that were shared in that room, the next day, and when they went back to their office in December, there was a real bond between those co-workers that wasn't there before. Because stories connect us, don't they? Especially when we know about people's struggles and people's adversity. And when you understand that about each other, it's a real fast track to um, getting to know each other better, to better team spirit. And you can't contrive team spirit. We've all worked in organizations where perhaps, um, you know, that doesn't come naturally. But I think using the power of personal stories to build team spirit and build empathy and emotional engagement is really powerful. And I, I'll be honest, you know, I get asked to run away days like that a few times a year. But, th but even, the, even the results there uh, really surprised me. And I guess it's all about it's all about leveraging the power of story, and it's about people being prepared to be vulnerable and to talk about their struggles. You know, there's a great, um, you might know, there's a great Richard Branson quote that says, um, uh, uh, a long list of successes does not make for a good story, or does not make for any story, <laughs> let alone a good story. But, you know, when we're, when we're open and vulnerable about what we've been through to get to where we are now, then you can build real emotional engagement. So, you know, it was, it was powerful. Wow. 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 I'm just thinking of hearing a situation where I heard Richard Branson speak and he was asked the question, um, what do you owe your success to? And uh, it was a room room full of business leaders. And, and, you know, they were all waiting for like the formula. And he, respo <laughs> he responded with, I came from a loving household, the, the, the deflation and the exhaustion, like exhausted <laughs> in the room. And I'm like, well, there you go, folks. It's not wow. all about, you know, some formula. Marty, what you got? First of all, um, wow, what a great story. <laughs> you, have, you have my complete attention. Just a, maybe yeah. a comment, I guess. Um, you mentioned two things. Building a business of one, this is my life, not a business model. I mm. think that is so important for our Business Builder Show audience. Ian and Kelly, there is too much pressure, in my opinion, on people to scale I had a business coach several years ago. Uh, I, I stopped paying him because he said, Marty, you can't scale your business. But wait a minute. I'm doing what I want to do. I like doing it. But Marty, you'll never scale. <laughs> so after I told him, I don't give a shit about scaling. Uh, I want to do what I want to do. I think those I, I, the way you told that story and, and the insights you, you shared are so powerful for our audience. Thank you for, for sharing that information, man. Well, thank you, Marty. And I mean, that's fascinating, your own experience, because we hear that a lot, don't we? We hear that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for entrepreneurs that you know, want to scale and grow big. But, you know, we, we, we don't all have to be Gary Vaynerchuk. And I, I love Gary and I love Gary's work. But, you know, we don't all have to, you know, uh, have a multiple office, huge operation to be to, 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 to be successful if we can do something that's viable and we could do something that's sustainable, and we do something that makes us happy and healthy, and we pay the bills, then hell yeah, well, I mean, what more is there? You know, Marty, you, you're probably familiar with uh, Jason Fried and David Heinemeiner Hansen that run yes. uh, Basecamp out of Chicago. Yes, yes. And, and they've always been great advocates for, you know, what success looks like, and they never want to build a business bigger than 50 people. Mm. You know, that is enough. They, yeah. have a, they have a product that people love, that that turns over you know has very healthy turnover and that's enough for them you know you're gonna you're gonna acquire this software company over here uh-uh 
this is good for us. We do a four day week in the summer. They're famous for, you know, we're not, we're not burning our uh, employees into the ground and, uh, and kudos to them. Um, yes. But yeah, great to hear your story. Cause, cause I think we've all got that kind of uh, got that experience. This is our lives, not a business model. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You say I think people should check their motivation and check their what what's what's that spark for needing to scale? And is it someone else's expectations, or is it the fact that you have that broader audience visit? You just always feel so many times with entrepreneurs that the prospect of scaling is well, and then I'm going to find my life, as opposed mm-hmm. to as you've said, Ian. You know, this is my life, not mm-hmm. a business model. It's like, yeah, you know, we mm-hmm. want to live our lives. We want to live them now, not at some point in the future. Um, Ian, it is beyond a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for being our first international guest. And you have to admit, Marty, having someone with an English accent makes us just sound that much more intelligent on the Business Builder Show. <laughs> yeah, it really does. When can he come back? <laughs> there is jury, there's jury research. You know, put on my lawyer hat. There is jury research on, you know, British accents are perceived as more intelligent. So we're just in that that glow and that halo. Ian, remind folks one more time where they can find you online. Sure. Well, by the way, thank you, Marty and Kelly. I've really enjoyed this. It's fascinating to uh, to get quizzed on my journey and my own story and tell my own story. So, yeah, I'm on uh, I'm at iansanders.com. Ian Sanders on Twitter, and uh, you know, do reach out if any of your your listeners want to want to chat. You know, Twitter's a good place for me. I'm always there, uh, some stage every day. So uh, at Ian Sanders, you can find me there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me, and I'm Marty Wolf. Go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's Marty Wolf businesssolutions.com to learn more about kelly hoey go to her website which is jkellyhoey.co that's jkellyhoey.co and of course you can find kelly and marty on linkedin and twitter a reminder you can find all our business builders shows on itunes spotify and on your favorite podcast app bringing the business classroom to you it's the business builders show with marty wolf 